On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Basic Training will train you in a spiritual boot camp of disciplines to be prepared to be the Army of God. Well, welcome to Basic Training. This is part four. I hope that you have watched the previous sessions because I think it's so important we're trying to build on something, and that is the understanding of what basic training is all about. Everybody goes through a time of testing. Everybody goes through a wilderness time. It, again, it's to do us good in the end. The whole point uh, of getting in shape so that we can be successful, and that's what it's designed to do. I want to go back, and I want to read this passage out of Deuteronomy because I think it, it captures the essence of what we're talking about. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live, multiply, go in, and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Again, we're talking about the children of Israel going into the promised land. But listen, that's all symbolic for us today. God has a place for us to go in and to possess, that we might live, that we might multiply, that we might go in and possess this land. What are we talking about? Being conformed to the image of Christ and being successful. He wants us to win. He won, and he wants us to represent him on earth. Verse 2 says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all those 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you'd keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, natural things, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Now, I'm going to start there because if we're in true basic training, after we're, God's trying to get us into shape, we need to understand that our primary weapon is the Word of God. Ephesians talks about putting on the armor of God. You put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and goes on to say you pick up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Word of God that is our weapon. And that's what, again, go back to the Deuteronomy passage. What he was saying is you've got to understand that man doesn't live by just natural things. Do we need bread to eat and live? Yeah, we do. But he's just saying, look, Real living is living by the Word of God. Real life is in living by Him, through Him. And so this is so, so very important, the Word of God. Now, here's the point. We're dealing with today so many issues, and one of the major issues is is what is truth? What is truth? What is reality? Well, let me just tell you something. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God will never change because Jesus is the Word. We'll look at that in just a moment. My feelings, my circumstances, my situation I'm involved in, I'm going to tell you, they're going to change. And so I like to say what we're dealing with here, we're dealing with the issue of truth versus facts. It may be a fact that something's going on in my life or going on in your life, but I want to tell you something. Truth is God's Word. Truth never changes. But I want to tell you, your facts will Your circumstances will. The situation in your life will change. Some better, some not so good. But the fact is, is that what what is going on here is daily, moment by moment, we're confronted with the issues. Am I going to believe the truth or am I going to believe my feelings, my emotions, with all the things that are going on in my life? And that's the constant battle that we're going in. 
if we're going to be successful, if we're going to be soldiers that make a difference for the kingdom of God, we've got to learn how to live by the word. We've got to learn how to live by the truth. So the question is, is what is reality? What's going on in your life right now? Is it truth or is it facts? Are circumstances or situations that are going on? So that's what we're dealing with. You're going to have to look at every circumstance. Matthew 5.18 says, Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it's all fulfilled. So again, he's just saying that, look, his word is stable. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. Such a powerful passage. Let me just take a moment and talk about it. The Word of God is living. It's not something that's just black ink on white pages. You, you, this is not a just a book. This is living. You may go through, well, what do you mean? Well, this word is still here. Thousands of years after it was put together, it's still here. It is, it's still going to be here in another thousand years if the Lord tarries and doesn't come back. But the point is, is that this word is living. It's alive. So it's not like reading a novel. It's not like reading some other book. It's not like reading. There's nothing like it. Because it says that the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Why? Because what it actually does, it divides the soul and the spirit. My soul, my feelings, my emotions, my mindsets, my will from the spirit. So what that does is, it. it I, I have a tendency to want to be soulish. I have a tendency to want to be, yeah, I get upset. I, I don't feel right. Um, that hurt me. I want to live that way. The Word of God comes in, and it's going to make sure that it divides and make sure I understand that's flesh and that's spirit. This is of the soul. This is of God. And that's what he's trying to do. Only the word. Your emotions are going to fail. I'm telling you. Your all situations and circumstances, they are going to change. They may not change for good. They are going to change. The word of God never changes. It is absolute and it's, it, it, it's the only thing that actually reveals the truth because it's the standard of which you have to measure everything in your life against. I'm not talking about living according to the law. I'm not talking about, you know, doing all these things that have to be done right. I'm talking about the Word of God is alive. It's, a, it's a spiritual, but it, at the same time, it, it reflects and shows you where you really are. And so, only by going to the Word do you know for sure exactly where you are and what's going on in your life. Now, it's your weapon. You've got to learn how to handle your weapon. It's the weapon it, that, that He uses, that we use. He has given it to us. Look at Luke chapter 4. And we've, we've already gone over this passage a couple of times. Remember, Jesus, he's water baptized, and the Spirit comes upon him, and the Holy Spirit empowers him, and the Father speaks from heaven. And then chapter 4, verse 1, it says that they being filled with the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And for 40 days, he didn't eat anything. He was hungry afterwards. Well, 
The first thing that we, we talked about was that when the devil said to him, this is Luke chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He said, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And we've talked about how the temptation was for Jesus to do something. He challenged his love. He challenged the identity that he had. And But listen to what Jesus said. He answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Wow. Again, when I saw this the very first time, I realized, okay, we are being challenged over the love of God and our identity as a child of God. If, if the devil challenged Satan, I mean, if Satan challenged Jesus over the word of the Father, he is certainly going to challenge us. And I love what this is. Jesus just, he didn't say, uh, oh yeah, didn't you hear the Father speak? Now see, that's what Eve did in the garden. He said, oh, that's, I didn't say that. He started talking to the devil. Jesus just says, it's written. Hear this. It is written. This is powerful. It is written. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than you two of your sword. The Word of God is written. It is done. Not changing. Not going to, not going to be different tomorrow. It's not going, you may read different versions, but listen, the Word of God is forever. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, by natural circumstances, but man lives by every word of God. Jesus just told us the key to an overcoming life. He, he just, he, this whole scenario, uh, he, we do need to be born again. We do need to be water baptized. We do need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do need the affirmation of the Father. And then we need to understand the wilderness is going to test us to prove that in our lives. And then what's going to happen? We're going to learn how to use that weapon of the Word of God. You're going to be challenged. The devil is going to confront you. He's going to hit you with all kinds of stuff. And we got to understand that weapon never fails. That weapon is the Word of God. That's the challenge. It's been going on for a long time. People challenging the Word. Saying, well, it's not really the Word of God. It's not this, and there's all kinds of debate. Listen, it's still here. It's still here. Thousands of years, it's still here. It's going to be here when we're all gone. It's still going to be here. So you've got to understand this, this is key. Jesus just very clearly says, it is written. It is done. I have spoken, and this is how you live. So our weapon, we've got to learn how to handle the Word of God. I mean, this is this huge. Now, 1 John 2.14. This is just a, I'll jot a couple of passages here. I've written to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. You want to learn how to live and overcome the wicked one? Live by the word. It's very clear. It's the word of God. Why is it so powerful? You know why? Because Jesus is the word. Revelations 19.13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The reason the Word is powerful, because Jesus is the Word. So you say, well, what are you saying? I'm saying that God put on flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, that of the only begotten Son. That was Jesus. You couldn't see God because God is spirit. What happens is, is that he wanted to dwell with man. 
So he put on flesh so we could see him. But that the fact Jesus went to the cross and died for us and redeemed us back to a relationship with Father. But, but he left us something. He has given to us his word, the living word. The word was in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there. The Father was there. So the word is not just black ink on white pages. It is literally a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's why it's not law. It's not legalism. It is life. If you read it as life, it produces life. If you read it as a rule book, you've missed it. It's not a rule book. It's the character and the nature of God himself. It is alive. And so if you read it and you feel condemned, I have people tell me, I just feel condemned. You're reading it wrong. You're not getting it because that's not Jesus doesn't condemn. He doesn't do that. So bottom line is we need to recognize this. I'm going to read this. We must be humble enough to realize that when we think, say, or do things that are contrary to God's word, we are the ones that are wrong. We must quit trying to justify unbiblical thinking and behavior. When our lives do not line up with God and his word, we need to remember that, that below, let God be found true and every man a liar. The bottom line is this. His word is truth. He is the living truth. He is the word. And that's why God says it's so, so, so very, very important. Now, I want to, um, one, more, one more verse here before I sort of shift gears. This is John 8, and um, this is sort of a key. We talk about this in a lot of our, our advanced foundations. This is John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, again, the word abide means to remain or to dwell or to stay. It, it, it's talking about where? In his word, living by the word. And so what he's saying here is that if, if, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be disciples. The key of understanding if you are a disciple, are you living by the word? Are you abiding in the word? And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Because why? The truth is not a set of principles. The truth is a person. So once you stay and abide in the word, and we'll talk about again the, the role of the Holy Spirit here in a minute, but we once you're abiding in this word and you realize for what it is, it's living, and and, and not something to it, it's we're to be conformed to it. Not try to conform it to me. It's so important for us to recognize that, wait a minute, if something needs to change, I need to change. It's not the word that's the problem. If I don't understand it, it's not because I'm wrong. It's because I just, I need revelation of what he's saying here. But I know it's not legalism, it's life. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. Now, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is giving all these instructions uh, to the sharing there, the long dissertation. But this is Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. It said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. It didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell. And it was, and great was its fall. Well, what we have here, we have two situations. Number one, in both, you have a storm coming. And I think it says today for us, you got to recognize that there are storms in life. You, there is nothing you can do to avoid the storms in life. There's nothing you can do to avoid going through the wilderness because God's plan is, again, working in us to conform us to his image. And so just recognizing that in this world, there is tribulation. John 16, 33 says, In me you have peace, but in the world you have tribulation. Uh, all I say is, amen, you do. There, there is no escaping because the fallenness of mankind and the fallenness of what's going on in this world, this, what sin has done, there's problems. So the problem, we're not going to get out of that. We're not going to get out of having storms of life. The real issue is, is how have we built, what kind of foundation are we built upon? And it very clearly says that if you want to build upon a rock, which you know in just regular construction, you want the most secure foundation that you can get. The more secure the foundation, the better your building will be, and it will withstand whatever storm comes. Uh, no one was going to build on sand because the wind and rain is going to erode it and it's going to fall. It's going to be greatly destroyed. And that's what he's saying. So what's the key? Hearing and obeying the word. And if you don't hear and obey the word, you're building. He's just talking about practical. Now, we're not, again, we're not talking about living according to the law. We're talking about living according to the word, allowing the word to direct our lives. If we allow the word to direct us, and again, we're not talking about perfection here. What we're talking about is that understanding that the Word gives us direction. It's a revelation of Jesus. It's a revelation of His character and His nature of which we're being conformed to. So that's what God is trying to get us to do. If we follow after the, the, uh, my flesh and the worldly system, it's always going to produce problems. I'm going to have more problems and the storm is going to keep coming. So they're not going to go away. And I'm just not going to have a secure foundation. And that's what He wants us to do. A wise man builds his house upon a rock. He builds it upon the Word of God. Wisdom understands that there's no options, there's no alternatives for living by the Word of God. What God is wanting us to do is to understand the power of His Word so that we apply it into our lives. Now, practically speaking, how does this happen? Well, I want to go to John chapter 16. And this is again why we've said from the very beginning it's so important for us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that is living with us today. My faith is in Jesus Christ, what he did for me at the cross. My, he's the only way to the Father. What Jesus did for us at the cross is that he paid my debt, he took my sin, he died my death, and he did everything so that I could be redeemed and restored to a relationship with Father that Adam lost in the garden. So Jesus' work on the cross, I have to have faith in that and believe that that work is done. Once that work is done, I've been restored to a relationship with Father. But Jesus is not here. So he says it's good that I, well, let me read this. This is John chapter 17. Uh, sorry, John uh, chapter 16. And it goes, verse 7, 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Hey, think about this. He's telling his disciples, he goes, guys, it's going to be good that I go. And I'm sure they're going, what? There's no way it's good. What do you mean? I mean, we've walked with you for three years. What do you mean? He goes, well, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. But when I go, I'm going to send him to you. When he comes, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you don't see me anymore. Of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many things to say to you. You can't bear them right now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I wonder if that's the truth that makes you free. I think more than likely it is. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine, and he will declare it to you. He is the Spirit of truth. So why this is so important is because our weapon is the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't change. And so why it's so important to embrace the Holy Spirit is because he is the spirit of truth. So this is how it works. Jesus went to the cross and paid for our life. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. How are his enemies made his footstool? By his believers embracing the fullness of his salvation, learning to live according to the word of God, being empowered and led by the Spirit. So it's the Spirit that causes the Word of God to come alive. It's the Spirit, if we don't allow the Spirit, He is the Spirit of truth. He, he allows this Word to jump off these pages and jump into our lives. Again, I'm not talking about gaining more knowledge. I'm not talking about gaining information. I'm talking about having a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of the living Christ through the living Word by the living spirit that causes it to come alive in our lives. That's what God wants. He wants us to recognize that it's the spirit. Look, it says that he will guide you into all truth. We have to allow him to. We have to learn how to submit to the spirit. We have to learn how to not allow the emotions and our feelings to guide us. We've got to go back to the Holy Spirit. Help me. Let me Use the Word of God as a guide. You're guiding me. Help me guide me. You know, you think about a true guide. If you're in the mountain somewhere, you have a guide. The guy tells you where to go. He goes, don't go that way. That path is going to, you're going to drop off the mountain. We're going to go this way. If you've never been there, you don't know. That's why you need a guide. But if I'm just going to do my own thing, I'm probably going to go over there and fall off the mountain. So that's what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is so important. He wants to guide us into truth. He says, I'm not going to speak on my own. I'm not going to, I'm not, I have no agenda here but to reveal the Father's will and the Lord's will through his word to us. That's why he said that Jesus, he told us in John chapter 4, he's looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. We have to have both. We have to have the truth of God's word and we have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to have both. It's not either. You know, as someone said years ago, if you have nothing but the Word of God, you just dry up and 
And if you have nothing but the Spirit, you you fly away. Uh, no, we don't need either one of those. We need both. We need the blending of guidance and direction that the, that the Word of God is settled forever. And we need the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of truth, to guide us and direct us into truth. And that's really what God wants us to do. It is our weapon. We have to learn how to use that weapon. Ephesians talks about putting on the armor of God. But the only weapon is the sword of the Spirit. And so you got to realize that this is powerful. It is written. Isn't that amazing? Now, in all three temptations, and we'll look at those various temptations, all three temptations that Jesus endured on the cross, out there in the wilderness, first thing he said, it is written. I just got to tell you something. If Jesus himself, in confrontation with the devil, says it is written, you got to reckon that you need to go, okay, time out. That's it. That's the key. It is. The Word of God is written. Now, in closing, let me just mention to you, how do you really get the Word into you? And this is just practical. Hold up your hand. Most of you have five fingers, hopefully. And this will remind you of what needs to happen. Number one is that you need to hear the Word. Uh, you're listening to the Word now. Uh, you may be listening to different things on the Internet, podcast. Uh, the preacher on Sunday, whatever, you, you need to hear the Word. But that's the lowest level of getting anything because that means that I've already digested the Word and you're, it's basically the milk of the Word that you're receiving. So, but, you, but you need to hear the Word. Number two, you want to grow, you need to start reading the Word. There are so many um, good translations and what I mean is that there, that you don't have to have the old King James, and you can. There are different translations that you can read that are easier to read. A good Bible app you need to get, and there are so many out there. There are many that are free, some that you have to pay for, but there are many that are free that not only have all the different translations, but they also have uh, different dictionaries and different things that you can look up the words to see even a greater meaning of what they are. The third thing you need to do is study the Word. That's why you need an app. You need to be able to hear the Word, read the Word, study the Word. Well, how do you study? Well, you take a passage of Scripture, and you begin to you read it a number of times. You begin to go, Lord, help me. Help me here, Holy Spirit. Help me to understand this truth. Uh, you might want to look up the words. You might want to look up, well, what does it mean? What does advantage mean? What does that word mean? You've got, you, there are literally apps that you can use that'll help you do that. Uh, and so you might want to take some notes. You might want to take some notes in that advantage and think about what does it mean an advantage? I want an advantage. I need an advantage. Um, who doesn't want an advantage? I have an advantage. Who? It, it's not a what. It's a who. It's he. Jesus. It's the Spirit. So that's why I'm saying you begin to study the Word. The next thing you do, if you really want to get that Word into you, you Memorize it. And you don't have to memorize the whole Bible. You just have to memorize certain passages. You know, the Word of God is living and active and sharper and two-edged and sword. Wow. And then the last thing is you meditate upon the Word. Now, meditation is not Eastern meditation where you empty yourself. It's talking about going over the Word and over the Word and over the Word and over the Word. That's what God wants. He wants us to grow. So, Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you that you have given to us your Word we thank you that it is our weapon, and we ask you, Lord, to help us to not only to receive your word, 
for what it really is, the Word of God. But help us to understand it. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us into truth. And we ask you to help us to use it as a weapon. Help us to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We love you. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.